The People's Voices is an audio and podcast show about amplifying the power of the voices. A no-holds-barred discussion where anything and everything is talked about. Let's be honest, life is not just about one thing. There are many chapters which create a book. Imagine hearing the voice of another individual, talking about what they are passionate about, the issues they care about, and wanting to make a difference, empowering you not to only think outside the box, but to take action which says, if they can do it, I too can do it. Michael Thomas and I am Paul Schubert and we are the people's voices so today we will discuss about you know you know we last week we touched a bit upon what life is like after journalism and you know how our our successes in the program our 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 trials our errors our everything and everything that we accomplished along the way after three years of hard work now today we will surprise you well, maybe we won't surprise you, but we'll, this week we'll touch a bit upon like what we can do with our different uh, paths in journalism after, um, now that we're finished our program. Right, Michael Thomas? Amen. All right. So in the... And um, you said that you are um, looking at a career in broadcasting. Yes, that is correct. How so, did you know? Well, I have, I have three areas sometimes. <laughs> so what I would do now is um, let you... Tell the people a little bit of how you plan to attack that career in broadcasting. Well, um, well, there's a few different ways how I would uh, attack. Uh, oh my God, there's a few different ways how I would attack my career path in uh, broadcasting. Well, I mean, it all started when I was in grade, not in grade, but in uh, second year of univers- second year of Humber, and at the time I. Um, I found out that radio was right for me because I, when I went on the air, my parents told me I did a great job too. And uh, even my teacher told me that too. So uh inspired me to do a career in, in radio broadcasting in particular. And they brought me my own podcasting studio. So the seeds were sown there. However, I think in terms of from, from this point on for going about my broadcasting career, I would... I'm already doing a, an internship, doing some work at the UTM's radio, at the University of Toronto Mississauga radio station. That's part, that's CFRE. And um, I am the news director. Wow. That must be um, an accomplishment. Because... It is in and of itself. For uh, one of the local radio stations, I got promoted to their news department chief. And uh, yeah, and it, it, it feels good because I'm the news director. And you're also in um, next September coming up here. You're also going into um, Lakeshore to take um, a stint at the bachelor's. Yeah, to take a stint at the bachelor's. It'll be another two years for uh, for 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 me before I get my degree. And so instead of doing the degree program for another four years, I'd be doing using my experience from the diploma program here and doing it in right. two years. Well, while we're on the air, let me take this opportunity to congratulate you on graduating from the three-year program here and also to wish you good luck in your endeavors at um, Lakeshore with the bachelors. Wow, thank you very much, Michael. I 
Michael Tommy Boy, Redman. Uh, I'm very appreciative of this. Like, I and I, I wish the same thing for you in return. I, congratulations for you finishing up your program. It was a bit hard for all of us, but you know, we pulled through. We did our best, and here we are going to graduate, attending our convocation in June. There you go. There you go. Well, as for me, I'm in newspaper right now. Mm -hmm. I I do um I'm doing a stint where I had the internship with the Toronto Caribbean newspaper. Right. It's a bi-weekly publication in hard copy as well as print. Mm -hmm. In hard copy as well as online, sorry. And um every two weeks I have Actually, I have two stories in the paper every two weeks. Awesome. So uh, you, ha you have some bit of flexibility. Yeah. And it's for, for me, what, what I'm getting from it is basically mileage because like Hedy had said to me, sometimes when you do things like that at the beginning of your career, it's something that you can reflect on if you decide to move forward to something, you know, something else. Mm -hmm. And they ask you, what have you done? That's where you point them in that direction and say, well, I, you know, I spent six months, I spent a year at the Toronto Caribbean newspaper. You want to go online and have a look at my work. Basically, you want to like, like start start from the bottom yeah. and build your portfolio from there. Yeah, as opposed to just like not doing anything, which I mean, some people will choose to do. And then they would say, well, okay, since you graduated, which is a year now, what have you done? Let me see, you know, let me see something that you have, mm. you know, what you've been into. So I think with um, you and I, you into on the radio station and I'm into the newspaper, I think we, we all heading in, in good directions because... I'd say so. The thing with the, the career paths after graduating is sometimes to get your feet in the door, you have to take a position that sometimes is not exactly in your laneway, but it leads to the laneway that you want to go to. Yes. And you know, I, I use a website called careercruising.com to help me figure out my career paths for, uh, uh -huh. yeah. So, so I have some resources. Tell us about that website. All right. So it's a, it's like a big career encyclopedia and, um, you, you basically find everything you can about all different kinds of careers, um, internships to, um, sample career paths to earnings to find what sample earnings for jobs to uh the working conditions to what types of tasks you'll be doing and if it matches up with your personality etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know i think radio actually really aligns well with my personality and my uh thing and who knows maybe maybe newspaper lines up well with your personality well i know how, let's just say i know how to be a field reporter and I think all of us do. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I'm glad we are on this subject, because in journalism, especially the journalism that they teach is now, which we just recently have been a part of, just, mm. came, just graduating from, they teach you to be versatile. Versatility is the key. If you notice the courses that we had over the three years was never about one thing was never about two things. There was about basically three or four different things. So it means that, okay, yes, you want to be a broadcaster. Yes, I probably want to be a TV host. But at the end of the day, let's just say CBC wants a news reporter. You're not going to pass the job up because you know how to be a news reporter. I know that. Oh, yeah. and uh, I know you know how to get interviews and write stories. Yeah, and uh, I remember like for, for most of my time in radio last year, Almost every single assignment, I got a, a response back with a great interview. And even with a, um, when I did my online reporting last semester, I got a couple of really notable interviews. One with uh, Chris Whitaker, who's the president and CEO at Humber College. Also, I also got an interview with um, 
his name or her name, I forget what her name was, but uh, she was the, the CEO of the Mental Health Commission of Canada, and uh, she worked directly with Cabinet Minister Michael Wilson, and um, it, like on the mental health stories. And yeah, I got some pretty interesting people to talk to. And with regards to all that, I'd say that we've all had our own different accomplishments in our own ways. Oh, definitely. Because I remember um, at the internship, I think it was the second or the third week, they sent me to cover Black History Month in Brampton. And I, I basically ended up in front of Patrick Brown to do a five-minute interview. Yeah, and you, and you interviewed Patrick Brown? Yep, I did. You're a lucky man. And well, he, he was nice. I mean, you know, he, he stopped. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't arrogant or anything. He stopped and I asked him, say, could I ask you a couple of questions for two minutes? And he said, sure, what do you want to ask me? Yeah, and he, and he, he, I could definitely kind of get that nonverbal vibe from him too. Yeah, he there? answered the question and then I made a joke. I said, I know, know you're going to step back. Let me get the mug shot of you. <laughs> <laughs> Did he laugh at that? Yeah, and he got a couple of pictures from you and there, you know. The point I'm making here is you never know where they're going to send you. So the key is to be prepared. You trained for everything. So, like you say, rightfully, from Drake, start from the bottom, start wherever they send you, start there, but never lose sight on what you want to be. Yeah, never lose your sight on what the what you want to be. Like, when I, going back to my career cruising uh, website, they actually, uh -huh. as I said, they give a sample career path from uh, level one, which is a very entry-level job, to level five, which is like a higher paying job or a managerial job, or maybe both, depending on what career path you're doing. And let's... Let's talk about um, announcer, for for example. Mm -hmm. Announcer um, would start off as a um, an intern or a editorial assistant. Yeah. They would then work their way up to a junior level reporter, and then to um, was like like a mid range reporter, and then to an anchor, and then to a manager, like managing newsroom operations. So, and that's done over a period of years because even the middle levels they require at least a few years of experience too. So. Uh, start from the bottom and you build from there. Yeah, so that's interesting because I mean, and you never know. I'm, I'm just thinking we're in 2019 now and I would fast forward my cassette for lack of a better word, you know, I'm old school. I'll fast forward my cassette to 19, 20, 21, 22, 2023. And now I'm looking at manager Paul Schubert. Yeah, thank you. Off a radio station or whatever it is. Oh, I really hope so. Like, I could even start, I mean, I could start off being a station manager for a local radio station, like yep. one of the Mississauga or Etobicoke area stations since I live in Brampton. Yeah. Yeah, but you could, I mean, you could end up being one one of the chief anchors at CBC any, anywhere once you work hard towards it. Yeah, and uh, I think that, that, that that's, a, that's an interesting idea because, like, when you're young, you have to determine what your priorities are. You have to determine, do I put my career first? Or do I want to start a family? If I wanted to work my way up, I'd probably have to do my career first because um, without getting into too much detail, I know that some people who've worked longer hours for the higher paying jobs don't really get to see a whole lot of their families. And uh, in some cases, people who do work the longer hours end up, they know this and that's why they start families later. And that's why that may be a factor in me wanting to start a family a bit later in life too. Well, that tells us that you are focused and you got your eye on the price. And I do. I add a little bit of satire to that while we're here. Remember, Mr. Wise is going to be retiring soon, so keep your eyes on that job at CBC. I will. Maybe he will. And uh, maybe I could be the, the at least the guy on the radio and podcasking division. Yeah, you did 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock the night. They tell you now, ladies and gentlemen, we introducing the new host of the 11 o'clock news, Mr. Paul Schubert. Yeah, and uh, I'd be very happy if you would introduce me for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... um. So yeah, you said you, you had broadcasting as one, the other one you had was? 
uh, and radio and uh, that was the announcer position. I did the sample career path. The other ones I've looked at were radio program director and producer and uh, producer level one pr position would be like, for, for example, a production assistant. So you basically be running errands and uh, doing doing like other little chores to help out too. And then you work your way up from there, make your way up to an assistant producer, uh, a, a producer, and then a level four would be an executive producer. And this all is built on years and years of experience too. There you go. There you go. Well, well said. Um, in in my case, like I said, I'm in newspaper now, but I, you know, I keep an open mind in anything that I go into. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't mind doing a bit of television mm -hmm. or a bit of radio. A bit of television, a bit of radio? Why? Yeah. Well, simply because I like being in the public eye. Yeah, I do too. And um, the, these formats take you in front of the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you just have to be mindful of, you know, mindful of your mannerism and everything like that. And you stay with the program. If you're there to announce sports, you announce whatever sports is there for the day. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're anchoring the news, well, you know how that is done. We know how that is done. You got you got everything lined up for you and you, you're looking at what's in front of you mm -hmm. with eyes of a chicken hawk. And you're making sure you're reading mm, the news. Check in. Yeah. Oh, okay. and and you you're good at anchoring the news. You yeah. you do a damn good job at anchoring. Thank the you. News. Like I definitely found, feel like I found one of my talents. So uh, that is um. Well, you said broadcast, and that I think that falls under that category too. Whether it be a mm -hmm. radio or a television broadcaster. Yeah. So those kind of things kind of work, and like I was saying earlier on. The three-year journalism diploma program prepares you for basically any position that journalism has to offer. And I think that's one of the things I like about it. They don't just teach you one thing there. They teach you every all the tricks and tips of the trade. Yeah, most of what you need to know. Everything. Yeah, so we're going to do a little bit of what we did last week, just in a different way, because last week was pertaining to after school. Now, I'm going to ask you, what advice do you have for people who came out of um, the journalism program now and have their eyes on, let's say, being a broadcaster like you? What, what do you, um, what little tip would you have for them? Because you seems to be a man that has your eye on the ball. Well, I would... Uh Again, I would probably say much the same thing that I said to you. I would suggest um, looking at different career websites and try looking to see if there's a sample career path too. And you'll see how many years it's going to take to advance to, let's say, an anchor or a news or manager position. Or And um, obviously the pay is nice, but you also want to determine how much, how hard you're going to work too. You want to determine if you're going to work hard, harder than everyone else to get those jobs or if you want to work bit average at work, but and you might not get there, but you still have time to start a family early in life. So you're gonna have to look at your priorities. You're gonna have to look at what what you feel is right for you. And um, yeah, and l l consider all the different factors and just make a final decision, go from there. And yeah, speaking of the sacrifices, there's a lot of sacrifices in, involved in these things, especially broadcasting, journalism in general, because be it a field reporter, be it a broadcaster, you're basically on call. Basically, yeah. Like you could be called up in the middle of the night to uh, report on something happening in like some, some for, sort of far-flung community. Yeah, and, and they could have um, they could have a problem in the city, God forbid, if any, anything happens in the city and, you know, you're, you're the broadcaster for that evening, you could forget about going home your, your usual hour. 
Yeah. Because the, the, the broadcast may have to be updated and sometimes, you know, you're there, they don't have anybody to call in and you have to stay and keep that going repetitively. Yeah. Which which takes a toll on family life, like you say so. And even your mental health too, because, uh, you know, you might not be getting enough sleep or looking after yourself other ways. Well, I mean, we can go back to um, the school, the three years of school. We all know we lose a lot of sleep. Yeah, uh, unless you live closer to the campus. Yeah. I, and I live I live fairly close to the campus. I live in the east end of Brampton. Yeah, well, for me, I came from downtown Toronto, and I had to prepare since 4 o'clock in the morning to get here. Yeah, you, you are a bit of a soldier, man. You're a bit of a trooper. Yeah, well, I had to because if you get in a place for 8, you know, it doesn't work trying to get up 7 o'clock. You have, to, you have to get up on time and get things done in a very timely fashion. To be fair, I actually didn't get up at 7 o'clock either. I got up at 6 you were lucky man yeah i know the extra two hours yeah but yeah. you know i everybody has to make sacrifices and then you just have to look at um if you can make those sacrifices or how much of those sacrifices can you make and do they maybe mesh with your personality all right well i know you you usually do a lot of researching of things before you um get into it did you research the pay of some of those positions i did actually that was a factor <laughs> well, well, let's hear about it Hubert. well um Let's say, for example, um, announcer. Um, mm -hmm. To be an anchor or newsroom manager um, for an organization like the CBC, your pay would be obviously over $100,000 a year, depending on the location and the audience size, because CBC is a big network as long as it's uh, in Canada. However, the pay is considerably more for like an organization like ABC News, because the American market is considerably bigger, too. Mm -hmm. And... Um, for an executive producer job, which is the highest, I guess, in the path for a producer, for it could be for movies, music, radio, like us, video games, you get the idea, like mm -hmm. an executive producer for mass media. The pay is at least $250,000 a year. Okay, so what kind of pay do you think? Um, Thank you. Yep. What, what kind of pay do you think Ian Hanumanson gets? Something in at least a million dollars a year. A million bucks. You know, there. Peter Mansbridge got paid $1.2 million a year when he was anchor of the National. Yeah. So maybe like they all get paid like roughly the same amount too. Okay, well, I can see why um, you have your eyes set there, man. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, maybe I'll live in a fancy condominium penthouse in downtown Toronto. Listen, this guy, he's, he even has his, his residence nailed down. Yeah, and uh, and uh I'll also be a generous philanthropist on top of that too. What, too. Would you, what would you plan to do in that philanthropic field? Well, um, I'll support a variety of different causes like foreign aid, like things like Red Cross and mm -hmm. um, Free the Children, World Vision. I would also like to support things like Sick Kids, because mm -hmm. particularly because I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for kids too. And it, I want to be part of the, I guess, the team, the philanthropic team that helps to pay to help uh help them advance and help more kids be happier too. And um, maybe other societies like the Toronto Humane Society, since I like animals too. Okay, well, they all sound like very noble and worthy professions to me. So Thank you. Good luck in your endeavor. I will. As a philanthropist journalist. Yeah, I will. And I'll, uh, and if I if I had uh, one got that nice condominium penthouse, I'd invite all of us over and we'll have a nice party. There you go. Well, we'd bear that in mind, huh? Yes, please do. Yeah, so one...
20 years, 15 years from now, when we're looking to have a party, we're going to be going through the yellow pages looking for Schubert. Yes, the yellow pages yeah. or the white pages, because uh, that's also another service. So you said you wanted to hear a bit about print and newspaper. From yes, I, I do tell, do tell. Yeah, well, the newspaper industry is what I got into as an intern, and I'm still still running the race. I'm categorized as um, a community reporter, a community field reporter. And what that entails is shedding light on the community because as you know, and some people may not know, but a, a reporter is basically a mirror of society. Mm -hmm. we, we, we absorb society and then we put it back in the face there. It's like when you look into a mirror, what you see, that's what we do. We would go around and find out what's happening or sometimes it's brought to our attention interview people mm -hmm. and again the interviewing part is is it could be tricky but we interview people take pictures you know take video and bring the story to light in a newspaper and mm -hmm. um sometimes the finishing product looks pretty and looks good where you get to sit down in your living room over coffee and read the paper but sometimes there's a lot of hard work as you know that's involved in getting the interviews and getting oh, the stories. Yes. Getting you have experience in getting people to talk to you sometimes is not always easy. Almost certainly not. It's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge and uh, to say the least. Yeah, and as a community reporter, one of the good things I've learned in this program, and I always have to mention her name, one of our professors' name is Lara King. La, she, la, Lara King. Yeah, she in the art of the interview, she taught us to really you know, nail an interview down, mm. you have to make the subject comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah. Like I, like I, I like to say, you have to get them to vomit. To vomit. Yeah. Get them to bring up what's on their stomach. And that's how you take that, whatever they bring up and bring to the public in the form of a story. Because if they don't talk to you in detail about that subject, sometimes they're a witness to a situation mm -hmm. and you need, you need to get that kind of a first hand I was there, I saw, and you, you would ask them, well, okay, tell me what you saw. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get to know on Thursday evening, you know, there was a fight or there was a, you know, there was what it did. It, it, it was a, a ceremony. Sometimes it was giving people credit for work they have done, but that person was there mm -hmm. and they can tell you exactly what happened that afternoon, who got what awards, who didn't get any awards, who was deserving of the awards. You know, things like that. We're like insiders, so yeah. to speak. And uh, that's where a field reporter come into play. And one of the reasons I kind of like being a field reporter is you don't always get to sit at the desk and, as some people would say, be bored. Mm -hmm. You go out in the community. Sometimes you have to attend an event mm -hmm. to, to actually cover that story. You have to, when you're writing that story, like Terry would say, you got to take me there. Take you there. Yeah, I want to read that story and say, yeah, I felt like I've been there that afternoon because I would take you there, but I will tell you what music was being played, how the ladies were dressed. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I do that. I'm very descriptive when writing. You're very descriptive. Yeah. yeah. So all, all these are tricks that a field reporter would use. So next time, members of the audience listening, this podcast 
you know, who sit and read a newspaper or an online piece and you read a story, remember behind that story is a very seasoned field reporter who helped bring that story to your living room. For example, you. And Mr. Schubert also. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so that, that's one part of um, the, the, the industry that um, I am in. And of course, the inside people, the people at the desk and the people who do the um, the setting up of the prints and everything, they are very important people because they take the story after we bring it in, like an editor will have to look it over and package that story. Sometimes you as a field reporter package it to the best of your ability, but mm. you have to remember now as an editor, he or she is accustomed to sending thousands of stories out there. So from the time he sees the story, he knows the format. He or she knows the format mm. that he wants to put that story into before he lets it out to the public. And then he would pass that on to the people who is going to put on all the finishing touches on it. Like, you know, the, the people who do, what's, it, what's the name of that, um, that, that thing we learned? But they're the people who set the prints and everything and line it up to make sure the 700 words of the story fits on the paper. Yeah, they're like the, almost like the designers. Yeah, they're the designers of the story. So Terry Arnott's class. Yes, it's it, it takes a lot before you read a story. There is actually tons of people working mm -hmm. on that single story to bring it to you in a package. So as a field reporter, I am proud to be a small link in that chain. A small link in that chain. Yeah. So that that's one of the things that I I am in I'm involved in now. Mm -hmm. And um something else that I have my eyes on the prize is anchoring. Really? Yeah, a little bit a little bit of news anchoring because like I said earlier on I I like being in the public eye. And as a as a news anchor again the interesting part about it is that you, you're sort of a, like a reporter, but a reporter that they're seeing instead of reading the stories, you are telling the story to them. Okay. Yeah. So an, uh, uh, an anchor is basically a storyteller for if it's 20 minutes or 15 minutes of that afternoon, that's your storyteller. No, that's my storyteller. He or she would tell you the stories that took place in your city, in your country or on your island and he's a, he or she's a well-packaged storyteller because could you imagine telling the day's story in 15 minutes? Yeah, that's a bit of a hard thing to imagine, but <laughs> that, you know, that, that's what happens. Yeah, and, and that is a talent. Yeah, very much so. It's uh, just like the CBC podcast. It's as it happens. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of the, the, um, the package that I have my eyes upon as somebody, yeah, as somebody in the journalism business. That's looking to start a career. Where would you like to anchor? Of course, I would like to end up on one of the, um, the, the programs that's been seen by millions like CBC, yeah. CDTV, you name it, CFTO. CTV. Yeah. yeah and what's, what's another big global? station? Global. Yeah, global, global TV too. So one, one of those stations would be good. You and keep your eyes on I'm not limited to Canada. I wouldn't mind doing a stint on BBC, World News in London. Or in the ABC in yeah, the US, yeah. Yeah, any one of those stations. As long as it's not Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, for me, like I said, I'm not limited because if you if you take a job at Fox News, your main objective there as a news reporter would be 
um, a news anchor would be to read whatever that's assigned for you to read. And the public is smart enough to know that a lot of the times what they give you to put out there has nothing to do with your personal ideas and belief. Yeah, that's actually, that is very much so the case. Yeah, because they teach us in journalism to keep our personal stuff out of the story. Check your ego at the door yeah. and check your opinions at the door. Yeah, unless you're a columnist, you're allowed to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. But as a, as a news anchor, you're as not. a reporter, you're not. It's all about what was being said and what was being done. You are just basically the vessel that's carrying the load. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, you're, you're on the right track. You're very much so. You're explaining things in great detail that, uh, that explain how exactly the news world works. And it's, 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 a, for some of us, it can be actually very hard too, because some of us are just so opinionated. We can't keep our mouth shut and our minds <laughs> open. Some of us really just only see one side and we can't stop to let it see. But, uh, for some of us though, we, ha we do have the courage and fortitude to do such a thing. Yeah, well, that you, you have to, in journalism, if you can't keep your ideas to yourself, I think you're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. but yeah, because you're going to slip up and that probably will cost you a job somewhere. Yeah, and you, you would basically lose your eyes on the prize for those that million dollar job. Yeah, before you start to express your personal opinions, you got to make sure the microphone is off and you basically are totally out of range of any, you know, any medium that can broadcast you. So that's why it's good to be in your own home. Yep, definitely. You can be in your own home. Yeah, and uh, If you notice, sometimes you watch the news on CBC and, you know, another journalist will ask, well, um, Peter Mansrich or whoever, what was his take on that? And he would just smile <laughs> because he know what his take is. He's just not allowed to say out. it. Yeah, he wouldn't put that out on TV because the reputation of the station is it's on your back. Yeah, and, and that's a bit of a responsibility. Some people can't do that. That's one thing they told me as an intern as soon as I entered the Toronto Caribbean newspaper. The young lady who um, took me on as an intern said, she said to me, when we send you out to cover story, she was nice. She said, "Just we just want you to remember you are representing the Toronto Caribbean newspaper. Mm -hmm. You So you cannot go there because you feel like drinking a couple of beers and dancing you can't do that all day, that evening <laughs> get get drunk get high and uh no, no that's no well i mean that goes without saying i i do believe all of us who came from this program here at humber knows that yeah i don't know if everybody knows that but i i, I think everybody knows that because I think, I think, yeah it'll be a no-no for you to go out there and want to act as though you're having an you know you're having a ball that evening and you've worked hard to get to this point too that's, that's what i'm saying you know and even when you're not working, you can have all the balls you want. Nobody tells you anything. Absolutely. All the balls you want. <laughs> and yeah. I mean that in a good way, Schubert. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I know that's you're giving your opinion right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that's, and, and again, in my field, I, I don't close, I, I don't think, um, I think I try to think outside the box. I would be open to employment out of Canada, out of Toronto. I, I wouldn't like... I would too. Yeah. I, I wouldn't just say, well, okay, I would like to work here. Like, I, I would like to like see the world in different parts of the world mm -hmm. and work a stint, even though it's for a year here, a year over there. That way you get you get experience that you would not have gotten just in this country. It's almost like a professor, like when you're on a sabbatical every seven years, you're uh, maybe trying to... Um get get your experience or teach at another university likewise in the world of journalism you uh maybe work for x number of years at your main station in canada then you can 
transfer to do like a stint in another country or so before coming back to your own country and doing something like that. Or you could just stay full time in that other country. Well, some and this is this is it again, because some people go, for instance, um, what's the name? Heather Kelly. Heather Kelly. You yes. Remember Heather Kelly? Oh, yeah. She went to um, she went to Asia. She said to do something probably temporary, and she ended up there for what twenty one years or sixteen years. Yes, and uh, and uh, she, I guess the CTV people really liked her there too. Yeah, and she has. I think she told us she has a company, small company there, or whatever. She has her own business mm-hmm. there. And she's been arrested a few times too. Yeah, well, she has all the stories to prove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has a lot of stories to pull, to entertain us young journalism students. Yeah, and sometimes life is like that. You go to a place. Hoping to do six months and you end up 16 years in that place. One million years. Yeah, because when I went to London, I'm going to go off script here a little bit. The guy who picked me up on the airport tell me he came to London to spend five years. He ended up spending 50. 50 years, like yeah. in, in the UK. Yeah. yeah, he's like a taxi driver. He can, when he looks at a store on one street, he can tell you 15 stores ago what that store was. Wow, because he, he was there for 50 years. Yeah. Uh, what, what was his name? His name was Alfie. Alfie. And so he was he was the London-based correspondent for one of the big American or Canadian news outlets? No, 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 no. I went to London and that's why I said I'm going to go off strip. Okay, script. you actually went to London in yeah. the UK. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And he picked me up on the airport. He was assigned to pick me up to take me to the destination. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me he came here to spend five years and he spent 50. So back to 15, the... 15 or like five, one five or five zero? Five zero. Five zero, yeah. He's in his... Late seventies now. Yeah, you see, he seems to still be going strong too. Very, very strong, and he and that's back to the journalism thing. That goes to show you, you have to keep an open mind in this profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be, because you can go and decide. Well, okay, you want to be a broadcaster, and out of the blue, they start to promote you at BBC World News in London. You living in London? Yeah, I would, and I would uh, wouldn't mind my own little condominium penthouse in the in London downtown too. Is that Schubert loves condominiums there? <laughs> I, I am a condo person. Yeah. That, that, that is, I see where I, I see myself living happily, very much so in a big city. In a big city, you like the condos? Very much so. I start off with a lower unit and then work my way up to the uh, most expensive unit by my position. Uh, all right. Well, you said, just like I, you said you're keeping your minds open to overseas um, work and things. Mm. What are some of the things you are looking at? Well, I do hope to specialize in international affairs. Um, and amongst other uh, fields, you can specialize in, in journalism too. I like the ability to look at politics and business between countries too. I like to look at international crime and sometimes war between countries too, and uh, how we can stop it too, and or at least mitigate it. And yeah, I like I like I love traveling. I've been an adventurous person from a young age. I've loved traveling around the world with my family. I'm going to Australia this summer, believe it or not. Well, and uh, congratulations again. So yeah. if I hear you right, you're you're kind of uh, looking to be the next Christiana Anandpov. Probably, yeah. You know that lady, right? No. I think she 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 reports between BBC and CNN, but she's a foreign a foreign journalist. Yeah, she's a foreign correspondent. Yeah, you, she's you, British. Yeah, you, you'd find her anywhere. The bullets are firing in the middle of the troops and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> And she knows her way around the oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, she has to have been... I think Christiana has been in that business now for the better part of a lot of decades. Mm-hmm. Probably three decades or more. Mm-hmm. So that, that lady really knows her way on the ground. But again, something you have to bear in mind, if that's what you're aiming at, is there is danger involved that, in that. 
And some of us may actually find that actually what makes our job more exciting too, interestingly enough. Yeah, but you have to be mindful of that because you can go and God forbid, don't come back. Yeah, and uh, and that's why, you know, I've said, I've had actually had that conversation before with my parents too. And I said, uh, if I were to go on some of these foreign um, like assignments, like to some of these dangerous parts of the world, I would uh, do a few things. I would listen very carefully to what Global Affairs Canada has to say too about uh, the updates for, for going to countries like those. I would listen very carefully to journalists before me who've been to that, those parts of the world and see what tips they have to give too. And uh, yeah, and I would just do everything I can, learn everything I can about the culture myself and yeah, and check my ego and opinions yeah, well, at the door. We, when we come back, I would touch on, as a reporter, the investigative part of that. I remember a joke that I had with Terrence once who said he wanted to be an investigative reporter and I was warning him that that again has its dangers. How do you feel about being an investigative journalist? Mr. Very cool. I get to be almost like a spy on some levels too, because I actually get to do like these quote unquote undercover stuff too. Yeah, but... um. Well, I know you're a man, do your research. What have you researched about that profession? I actually haven't delved too deep into investigative journalism, so to speak. I've actually done more research into the similar careers for related. So like, for example, uh, a spy, a detective, a private investigator. And um, yeah, you, you're, you're trying to like solve like all these cool cases around the world, but you, and you want to make sure you talk to people who've one way or another been affected by it. You want to make sure you, in some cases, you want to even remain anonymous too, and then uh, disclose it in the final product too. Well, you, you're on track because from, I don't have, I mean, all the answers to that, but from what I know, being an investigative journalist, you, it, it's similar to an undercover police, but I mean, yes, you have a journalistic license, but you, you have to, to be able to, you and whoever sent you on that mission has to exercise extreme cautions because just as hard as you are working to expose the ills of society, they have, they have some people who are working as hard as you or even harder to shut you up. Yeah, the, and, like especially in places like Russia. All, all, a lot of those places, because you have to remember, when you break a story, a big investigative story, some people goes to jail. Mm -hmm. and or in some cases, that, that could be the end of them, capital punishment. If these people find out that you, Mr. Schubert, is after bringing them to justice with, let's say, your news reporting, they could be after your life too. And these are things that journalists have to take in mind. I don't want to scare anybody from their part as, you know, going down that part of as, as an investigative mm -hmm. journalist. But these are things that you really have to keep your eye on the ball. Don't get into this thinking, well, this is just like an ordinary news story. This is not a feel-good story. Because at the end of that story, sometimes people goes to jail, politicians lose their office, they're no longer in office. They might be overthrown in the case too. Yep, there are doctors who no longer would be able to practice, the College of Physicians would pull their license. Mm. So, you know, because you, you, they probably would send you in a hospital working as an intern in there. All the time you're you trying to find out who's, who's poisoning the patients. Mm -hmm. yeah, so so at, the, at the end of that investigation, a lot of heads could roll. And th these are the things you have to be mindful of before getting into that position. If you want to be an everyday journalist that reads the news or report on what happens in the street is different. But investigative journalism 
is a different story. Yes, it, and it's not something for the faint of heart. Because it is not something for the faint of heart. No. And um, that's why I'm trying to do everything I can to build up my bravery as well, too. And uh, I think I'm. it depends what it is. Some things I'm very brave at, some things I'm a little scared of. But uh, Tell us about the things you're brave at. Let's hear it. Well, I actually, you know, interestingly enough, I did the 23andMe test. You know, it's like the little genetic test where mm -hmm. you spit your saliva and they analyze your, the DNA in it, too. Why did you do that? I... Because I got it as a birthday gift. Okay. There's, it's yeah, it's called Twenty Three and Me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're I don't know if you've heard of it. Nope. Well, something to look up. Um, it's not that cheap. It's uh like three hundred dollars. That was my main birthday gift, and uh because I and I, but I to be fair, I did ask for it because I want to learn more about my health, my um my ancestry. You get the idea. One of the and. There are some things I might discuss in a few, later in a future episode of People's Voices, but one of the few things I found out was uh, on the one of the health reports it says I was based on my genetics. I was less likely to have a fear of heights than most people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why I love flying. That's why I worked at the CN Tower last year. I uh, I'm able to do things without uh, getting scared too, like of heights. Okay, so and it's partly genetic too. So you you have a tendency to be braver than the average person. For, for those things like that. And um, it said I was also not at risk for so many different diseases, too. And um, it said variant not detected, variant not detected, variant not detected. And um, and um, I mean, there were a couple things that I was at risk for, but not by significantly. And they weren't like life threatening stuff, too. Um, for the most part, I'm, I could say I'm a very healthy person, very healthy, happy person. And uh, yeah, one of the interesting things about 23andMe is um, on a little side note is Especially if you're looking at your ancestry too, so there might be some skeletons coming out of the closet, so to speak. So, so for generations, some people might say he's your father or she's your mother. When the genetic test finds out that might that may not have been the case, it might have been like cover-ups in previous generations too. I actually found out that I have uh, some some interesting. Uh, um, one of the interesting things I found out was I actually do have some part South Asian in me too, if you could believe it, and that. I actually am not surprised by that because my dad's maternal side of the family weren't just the British colonists in South Africa, but the British colonists in India as well, too. Okay. So so I do have some interesting family history, too. Very. Mm -hmm. Sounds to me like you're, um, you're a multinational. I am multinational. I mean, it was mostly German, my main background, because my father's last name is Schubert, first uh -huh. and foremost, too. Yeah. So And my ancestors come from Dresden in Germany. Yes, and... Uh, no wonder I like sausage and bread from time to time, too. So one of the things that I think we didn't touch on in this episode is we were talking about career paths. But again, like I see, you don't always get what you want from life. Mm -hmm. And something that you always have to have is a plan B. A plan B. Like, what do you want to do if that doesn't work out? Yeah. If like, so let's just say, have you ever looked into being self-employed as a journalist if your plans doesn't work out because it's something that we i'm not saying you should keep in mind yeah i'm not saying me in particular but everybody yeah, should be, keep in mind. that's why i said we because there 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 are a lot of and it's, it has nothing to do with your qualifications there are a lot of very qualified people journalists included who cannot get the positions thereafter because it's also just too competitive that, too. that's that, that's where it is so that's where it is so that's why you know maybe it's a good idea to uh again look at other options like or at least look at being self-employed too like maybe doing freelance work yeah and um, the, the, i may even do that i may even consider that for some point for my career because um 
depending on the prices, I could even make more than some of these top-notch journalists make in a year, and I could work on my own schedule. Too. Well, this is what I was getting into because the information you just sent me there highlighted a little bit of on some of the pays that a freelance journalist who sells their stories can make. Yeah, and uh, I know that the highest uh, paid position for level four for the career path for a print journalist is manager or editor, and uh, that. It's $90,000 plus a year, and uh, that's minimum, obviously, for a small town newspaper. And obviously, it would be considerably more if you worked for like a bigger magazine or newspaper, too. Yeah, so th these, these are some of the things that we who are in the, in the part of shaping our careers in journalism has to take in mind. Things don't always work out as planned. Mm. And with that says, you have to have a plan B and probably a plan C, too. Plan B and a plan C. Yeah, because you don't want to sit around saying, okay, well, I'm a journalist who's not employed. No, I don't want to say that. Sometimes you have to create your employment. And if it means while well, hunting stories down and selling them to the newspapers in the city, once they want to buy your story and you have a very credible and good story, then probably that can be a profession. Basically, and uh, you, you get to work on your own terms and you get to determine when you want to work. Because in I could imagine you doing seven, eight stories a week. Yeah, I could probably I could probably have time to do that, yeah, and uh, because that would be your profession now. And I'd be happy doing that, like for radio too. Like like yeah. I could uh, come into the studio, or I could find some something to announce on, or something to produce, or some. You get the idea. Yep, and basically sell your stories to um, to keep yourself in good standing in the meantime. Mm, like I could uh, do online reporting also too. Like I know it's interesting. It was similar to a. Uh, Newspaper and magazine reporting is online journalism, and in fact, um, the career path is the same thing. This, it's under this online journalists is the same career path as print journalists too, and I'm not surprised by that too. Well, one of the good things about the online course that we just took it it gives you a bird's eye view of packaging a story to sell online. Let's just say you you have to bring in a story to the Toronto Sun or the Toronto Star. You already know how to do that. You can. You can get your stories done in a matter of whichever time it takes you stay at home, send in the story to them and get your check. Yeah, I can. And uh, I can make millions of dollars or I could make I can make at least lots of thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. So that that that, that is something that um, journalists who are who are I mean, trying to shape their career path has to keep in mind. You You don't always get what you want from, you know, what you set out to get, but always have something as a backup that you mm -hmm. can work with. Basically. Yeah. And um, um, maybe um, before we wrap up, um, what, what, what do you, what do you want to tell other people um, like people entering this career path, um, what to expect in terms of being a print journalist and what advice could you give them for? Yeah. Well, in terms of being a print journalist, research, like in any field in journalism, but I would say, especially print journalism, Research is very important. You got to know your subject, know what you're talking about, because like they tell us, and notice I'm saying us, I'm generalizing here with the journalism people, credibility is everything. From the time you are being discovered as a person who are like saying stuff about Natalie that you can't prove, you know where your career is going. Nobody, Libel and slander. Yep, nobody, well, I mean, that has to do with... um. The, the, the first class we took, and, and this guy taught the class pretty well. Terry French. Yeah, that was Terrence's best friend there. <laughs> and you, you don't want to end up in that category, the liable and slander category. 
So you have to get your facts straight and in print journalism, this is my advice to anybody who wants to enter like the newspaper industry of journalism, make sure they, they have an old saying, research and read your story 10 times before you press send. Read it 10 times before you press yeah, send. Yeah, and, and, and just probably just at the ninth time you may discover, well, okay, this word here says he did it. I better change that because I can't prove he did it. Mm -mm. I could say maybe. And he, he might not have even said that. Yeah. So you got to be very careful in print journalism. And the next thing I, well, I'm learning now as I'm into the business, people read the online stories and, and under their um, comments, they mm -hmm. take you up on the subject. They, you know, they leave their little comments and sometimes they phone in and, yeah. and the editor in turn will say, will call you and say, Schubert, there's a lady here who said the statement that you put out there is wrong. You want to address this? I can, and then uh, I'll have to address it publicly. Yep, you will have to address it or email. She cause she sent the station an email. Right on the spot, and yeah. And they would give you her email and say, well, okay, you want to respond to her. Because she would say, okay, the intersection here is Bartis and DuPont. I don't know how you got Bartis and Lawrence. I live here. So yeah. th this is how doing your research and being careful. It will pay off. Yes, it's very, very important to be a print journalist because you don't want to have people calling you out wrongly on four or five stories. That's going to look really bad on you. Yeah, well, I mean, even with your employers, never mind. Mm -hmm. So you, you, but coming, coming from here again, I think we, we are taught to pay extra attention mm. and, and, you know, I am, I am getting, I'm getting pretty good, pretty good reviews where I'm at for that. Really? You've uh, actually gotten some good reviews from the Caribbean newspaper. Yeah. What well, from the people who read the paper? Okay. Yeah, they, you know, I've I've gotten some very good reviews on, you know, good reporting and things like that mm -hmm. because I I try as hard as I can to pay attention to detail and to make sure, especially the factual part of it, that I'm factual. When you interview somebody, you want to say exactly what that person told you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that's very important for print journalists. You, again, you cannot go on your own rant. No, you can't. Well, I shouldn't say you can't. It wouldn't work for you. <laughs> no, it wouldn't work for me. Not very easily. And um, one last, last thing before we wrap up for today is, uh, what do you think your career path is going to look like? For, or I think I think you already explained that. But what, where do you think you might end up by the end, by the time it's time to retire? Too well. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. But like I said earlier on. I am in journalism now. I have wide eyes and I'm willing to work as hard as it takes me to work to get to a destination of being a respectable journalist. A journalist that when I interview somebody or I put a story out there, people would say, I hope Michael Thomas is coming to interview me because that's going to be a hell of an interview. That's what I would like being said of me in the business. I really hope it's the same for you, uh, Michael Thomas. Yeah. All right. So this is this is the People's Voices. I'm Paul Schubert, and I'm Michael Thomas. See you again next time.